Welcome to episode 155 of Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not too much, Andrew. What's going on with you? Not too much. Still in the studio here? Yeah, a couple more episodes, probably. Uh, so, we did some, uh, in between the last episode now, my dad and I worked on my mom's Beetle and did the, uh, it's like a wider brake pedal as- or pedal assembly. Yeah, I think we talked about you were going to do that. Yeah, the if you've ever driven an old Beetle... The or honestly any old European car, yeah, the, have the very small pedal box. Yeah, the pedals are really close together. Um, make it a little tricky. My mom was having trouble with it. Now was having a little trouble with it. If you have bigger feet, bigger, wider feet, plus the plastic throttle pedal was broken. Yeah, it, it was would actually flop broken. around. Yeah, and like you might go to take your foot off the brake, especially on a hill because you're like really fast from brake to gas, and you'd like catch the back of the gas pedal because be, the pedal was sitting higher than the brake. Yeah, so you'd actually end up on the wrong side of it, um, and then it'd be, like, kind of annoying. You'd, like, get caught. So there's, like, this really nice kit uh, that has an extended... So the whole rod goes to the pedal assembly. If you ever looked at one of these, there are, like, floor-mounted pedals mm-hmm. versus every other car, which is mounted from above. Yeah, they, they pivot on the floor versus pivot behind the firewall. It's just a Porsche and a Beetle and... Yeah. Maybe other air-cooled stuff, but... There's a few different cars out there that have that set up. Not very many, but... Not very common. So the rod goes through the three pedals, and this rod connects to the clutch cable. So it's a common pivot point for all three pedals? Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, it's like a, an aluminum... It's like a cast aluminum thing that bolts to the tunnel. The rod goes through it. The cast aluminum part is where your throttle pedal bolts to. The brake pedal pivots on it and pushes the rod through the firewall. Well, it's technically not a firewall. The front bulkhead yeah. into the master cylinder. And then the clutch pedal works the rod all the way through basically the three pedals. Is it maybe a firewall? Because here's a gas tank up there. Oh, yeah. I guess firewall, bulkhead would be correct. all correct answers. Um, the But the clutch pedal on these has a... Or the, the clutch rod has a hook. And then the cable has, like, a hook onto it. And I guess over time, that little hook can break off. So you'll be in, like, stop-and-go traffic, and the thing will just break off, and you won't have a clutch. Yeah, because the way you push the clutch in, it pulls the cable against the hook in the way that it, like, un- pulls forward. Be- yeah, it like unbends the loop. Yeah. Like, with pressure over time. So this one had a newer setup where it was, like, a brass bushing and a nylon lock nut. You actually just turn the cable 90 degrees and hook it on there. So it's, like, more secure and positive. And then it's a longer shaft because you put a spacer in there. It spaces the clutch pedal out like three quarters of an inch towards the outside. So it's literally just enough to give you enough extra space between the gas and the, uh, the between the brake and the clutch. Yeah, and that lock nut style cable attachment is much more positive too. There's no room for it to move once yeah. it's tightened. We had to adjust the clutch cable after we did it, but that's super easy on those cars. And then the uh, throttle pedal gets pushed more towards the, it gets angled more towards the tunnel and they give you a nicer like roller piece. I've seen custom beetles where they have the big roller for the throttle pedal. Mm-hmm. Basically yeah, just like a skateboard wheel. Yeah. It's basically like a smaller version of this, a little tiny skateboard wheel that goes behind a nice aluminum pedal instead of a plastic one. And they put a nice rubber cover over it and it, it looks factory once it's yeah, all together. You would never even know. If you didn't know what the pedals looked like factory, you would never think this is modified. No, you'd get in it and you wouldn't notice how close they were unless you had driven a, a, a stock one. Yeah. Uh, it did drive a lot better, um, so that's pretty cool. It was And everything fit together nice. 
it took us a couple hours to do it. Mostly it was the adjusting of the, because we had to adjust the throttle cable too. Yep. But that's no, it's a, it's a really cool little, really cool setup and it's going to make it much easier for your father to move it in the garage or drive it himself. Yeah. And even your mom who didn't have a problem driving it is probably going to like it more because it's yeah. going to be more like modern feeling. Yeah. The throttle cable is a little stiff right now because it has like a return spring that was too weak. Um, cause somebody had like jammed up the throttle spring. So we like adjusted it. So we might have to replace that spring with something not as stiff, but, right. um, it worked pretty well. I mean, it's, it's definitely better than it was. It definitely feels more natural. And it was funny as we test drove it. My dad's like, well, did you have to like, he's like, did you like notice it really different? I was like, well, honestly, no, because I drive standard so often. I don't really think about it. I just got right. in it every and drove is, it. Every car is different. So you don't really think about it. Yeah, you just kind of adjust pretty quickly, but it was fine, like, stopping on a hill and going. So. I'm sure he noticed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I put, uh, there's, like, a video of it on Instagram of just the difference. But yeah, that's about it for Project Car Updates so far. Yeah. Well, we said we're going to have a lot for the next few episodes, so we got more stuff coming. I um, You were going to try... We're actually plan, recording the plan this, this morning was oh. to work. Well, we recorded this in the morning. Yeah. So the plan this morning was to do the paint on the eclipse door, but the weather's not cooperating because yeah. it's like super humid outside and yeah. overcast, which overcast would be good if it wasn't 90 something percent humidity. Yeah. So, so you can't really paint outside 90%. We're, we're humidity. giving you a podcast instead. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, Brad would have been, uh, uh, D- is it uh, DA? What are you doing to the. Yeah, DAing the door and then prime, spot priming anywhere. It's on the eclipse. On the red eclipse, yeah. And then painting the actual upper section of the door this time. So, unfortunately, it's just going to have to wait a little bit. But not a big deal. I did get all the parts to do it. Um, get the paint, get the DA. Be able to uh, get it done pretty quickly. Hopefully the uh, humidity will blow off later on today. And um, we'll be able to get it done later tonight. So, we'll see what happens. All right. So, we asked for some listener questions yes, we uh, did. the other night. So, let's uh, get right into those. We'll start with the Facebook ones. Um uh, We'll go, uh, I've got reverse order here. We'll do, Mary Reeves, how has the car spotting been in Arizona? So this one's for Brad. I mean, pretty ridiculous, obviously. Yeah. It's just the land of old cars as just normal daily drivers. Yeah, you kind of talked about the pavilion show, but I mean, you were going to a car show, but in general, like out in the wild. Yeah, it's crazy. It's just, like, I don't even stick stand out anymore driving an old car. Yeah. Like, it's because everybody just has old cars. Right. But you were saying you just see, like, old air-cooled cars that are just beat up because they're... Yeah, people still drive, still daily drive air-cooled Beetles and Squarebacks and, I mean, Volkswagen things, everything. Just just normal daily drivers out there. And they probably buy them for still $1,000 or two and just drive them until they die and buy another one. Has there been any, like, Japanese cars that are older that you haven't seen in years out here being driven? Well, like road. I said, it was that Crested a Wagon that I saw in traffic and then I saw at the Billions show. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a lot of early Camrys, early, like, 90s Corollas, which aren't anything special, but they're just everywhere. Because they just last. Because they just run and run and run, and if they don't rust, then there's no reason to get rid of them, I guess. But, like, that really, like, squared off early 90s Corolla sedan mm. that was ubiquitous here for years but is gone is still pretty ubiquitous out there yeah i probably see as many new um 1991 92 corollas out there as i see like 2015 kia fortes here huh like it's kind of ridiculous but like old you said something about a b210 last time right that was at the car show yeah 
But you see those like outdressed driving around? Not or? as common. Or old um, Datsuns. Yeah, not as common because a daily driver out there has to pass emissions. Mm-hmm. Um, so when a car, like an old carbureted car like that, gets too old, it has a hard time passing emissions. Especially when they're in that time period of having carbs and having to meet emissions. Yeah, carbs and smog pumps and um, catalytic converters. You have to be really dedicated to it to make yeah. it pass because it's super hard to. Right. I know guys talk about that with the uh, four cylinder Raiders. Yeah, well, in in a place like California where everything is smogged back to seventy five. Um, Arizona, in certain, it goes by county. Um, so obviously Phoenix is Maricopa County, and because Phoenix is such a big you know hub, they have emissions there. Mm-hmm. So all cars from 1969 and newer have to have passed some sort of emissions. Oh, um, even though 69 wouldn't have smog Any, equipment, it yeah. still needs to burn clean enough as it did when it was new. Huh? Um, if you just have the car as a daily driver, so if you have vintage car insurance. It negates that. And vintage car plates? You don't need the plates, just the insurance. Oh. Because if you have the insurance... You can only drive... You can only so drive so many miles a year, so they don't bother testing those cars. So. Ah. so, yeah, if you just have a normal, everyday driver as an old car, it has to pass emissions, and that makes it a little more difficult out there. So you don't see as many kind of unloved cars. So it's more common to see stuff from, like, the late 80s, 90s that's, like, fuel-injected oh, economy yeah. cars. I mean, but again, like I said, you do see still daily-driven Beetles and daily driven early 70s mustangs the popular stuff that people there's a general knowledge of will yeah, still the, be on the road but an uncommon car like a Datsun 1200 sedan it's it needs to be a dedicated owner if it's going to be a daily or it can be a weekend toy cuz you don't need emissions then yeah any early RX7s not as a rule i see a lot of FCs in the road still hmm but not, yeah, I haven't seen, haven't seen an FC on a road here in many years, like yeah. other than a other than like copy. my dad's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like for whatever reason, there seems to be. I think we've discussed this. There seems to be a lot of first gen RX sevens around here. Yeah, because they were parked in the wintertime. Exactly. So yeah, there's not a ton of those out there. I don't know if I've even seen one since I've been there. Hmm. Um, the one thing I do see a lot of, which you know hits real home with this podcast, is uh, S10 pickups and yeah, lasers. Yeah, they're like cockroaches out there still. One of my neighbors in my complex has like the mintiest GMC S15, what do they call it, a Sonoma, something like that. Yeah, with like the it's a tan and metallic brown two tone, the tan interior. It's gorgeous. Like, like it's just perfect. Like one of the Oldsmobile versions of it. You see those? The Bravadas? <laughs> no, I don't think so. The Bravadas were late enough. Was that... there a Buick version of it? No, I don't think so. The old Bravada was at the very end of that line. It was only yeah. like two years, and it had full cladding all around it. Weird. Um, I don't think many Bravadas are left because most of them have more complicated electronics. Like they have like crazy fancy interiors, and all that stuff would break on them. Oh, so did you see like early '90s to mid, like early 2000 GM cars? Those must be all over the place too. Um, everywhere, like the Grand Prix, and yeah, the Luminas, yeah. and yeah, they're. Everywhere, like absolutely everywhere, because there was a plant not too far away. I think wasn't there a plant in Southern California? Probably. Plus the GM Proving Grounds was in Phoenix, so there's just a lot of those cars, just ev- like hmm. legitimately everywhere. That's funny. All right, let's go to the next question. Gillette Jake, do you guys often find yourselves recommending older vehicles to non-enthusiasts for daily drivers? My stepmother's O2 Prism is getting pretty rusty, so she's looking for a replacement, even though she loves it. 
I'm trying to convince her she's better off buying another in really nice shape for the three thousand dollars instead of spending the same money on a ten-year-old car. Um, I read this earlier. I was thinking about it. I would think it would depend on your climate that you live in, because I don't think you're gonna if you live in the Northeast. Another three thousand dollar geo prison, if you manage to find one, is not going to be very nice underneath. Yeah, probably not. Um, if you lived in Phoenix, maybe you could find a a perfect geo prism and you can keep on trucking with a three thousand dollar car. But uh, so I find myself recommending an older yeah. car to a lot of people who are not car people. But you have to be careful. You don't want to recommend that a non car person buy something that's going to require a lot of maintenance. So I'm usually very specific. Um, I would definitely recommend if you could find a nice Prius, a, a Prius um, prism. prism, excuse me. If you could find a clean prism that was like one of those one of the little lady cars that was garaged every day and wasn't rusty, and it was three thousand dollars or less, then yeah, I would highly recommend that because the prism is just a Corolla. So I do recommend that people like, hey, you don't need to spend five hundred dollars a month on a new car. You can just spend two thousand dollars once and have a maintenance bill maybe twice a year or 500 bucks and your life will be better because you won't have to have that every month car payment. Your insurance will be cheaper. Your taxes will be cheaper. Everything will be cheaper. So I do recommend that based on finances, but if a car payment's not a big deal to them and they're not a car person, I usually don't recommend it just because a, if it's a friend of mine, that means that we get stuck working on it. Yeah. Which isn't good. B, if it's a friend of mine, I don't want to recommend they buy an older car, and then I get the phone call when it breaks down, and then I feel like a jerk because I recommended they buy that car. It's so inexpensive now to take that three grand and lease a newer car. If you're not into cars at all. Or even something like what I bought. Like, I bought, like, the most car enthusiast version of a non-car enthusiast car. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's, you know, a $9,000, $10,000 car. It's like a $200 a month car payment. Exactly. But you, know? you can... If a Geo Prism is their comfort level, then you could go lease a Corolla. Yeah. And or even a, the new, was it a Yaris or the IM or whatever yeah. it is, the smaller one? It's probably and the same size as that old Prism. And just every couple of years. Do it again. Just do it again. Yeah. And, you, and you're, what you're paying for in that lease is, as long as you don't go over the mileage, is you're just paying for the convenience of a new car that doesn't need maintenance. You're basically paying the depreciation of the car when you are driving the car. Yeah. That's all you're paying is the depreciation. Yeah. So that you don't get stuck with the the selling the car afterwards or being upside down at some point. It makes... Just literally, it, leasing a car for a long time to me didn't make sense until I thought about non-car people. And I was like, oh yeah, it kind of makes sense for non-car it people. It makes a lot of sense for non-car people. Because it's like, when you're done with it, after two years, you just get a new one. It's a new car again. It has all the newest technology that you want. It It's under warranty the entire time you own it. Yep. Plenty of safety stuff. Usually, if you have a lease, your mileage makes it to the point where you don't even need to replace tires or brakes or anything. You just do oil changes. And, and sometimes those are even included now. Yeah. And most of the manufacturers, if you stay within the same manufacturer when your lease is up, they give you a much better deal the next time around, like a much smaller down payment or... It just, it gets cheaper as you do it. So I don't, like one of our car friends actually leases a new Rev4 every two years. Yeah. Because he just wants a car he doesn't care about just to like have around. Yeah. It's his daily driver. Yeah. And it's so cheap for him to be able to just have this car to go to work. You know, it's like a base model four wheel drive Rav4 costs him like $189 a month or something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're, and then it's totally different when you're a car, car enthusiast like us, because like I have to, I've talked about it before. If you own old cars to daily drive, you kind of have to own like two. A couple, yeah. 
because <laughs> you kind of rotate through them. You, like, you need a backup car when brakes. Yeah, like when the I'm doing stuff to the Montero, I have the WX to drive and vice versa. Yep. So, yep. And as car people, we wouldn't even turn down an O2 Prism because those Corollas are fun little chassis, and you could yeah. have a fun little autocross car or just a car that's a fun little backroad car with a set of sticky tires and a stock Prism with a five-speed. So we'd be fine with that. But for a non-car person, I don't usually recommend it unless it's financial. Oh, and also... Or like a kid for their first car. Yeah, here's the other thing. Don't go to like one of those used car dealers that's selling a 150,000-mile car for yeah, like... don't do that. ...huge money. Ever. That's a waste. Yeah. It's a total waste. Don't do it. Nope. Don't do that ever. Uh, you're if, 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 you're, if your idea... If, you're, if your options are $1,500 old crappy car or buy here, pay here lot... Buy the fifteen hundred dollars old crappy yes, car. Yes, absolutely. Never buy a car from a buy here, pay absolutely. here. Absolutely, yeah. Because you get upside down so fast on those. Exactly. Yeah. Um, find if your credit's not great, just find someone you can co-sign with or something. Or buy just, a cheap, cheap. Or car. buy a cheap, cheap. Yeah, car. Don't even co-sign. Buy a cheap, cheap car. Buy buy the cheap beater. Save some money. Fix your credit. It's not that difficult to fix your credit. No, it's not. Um, this is that is a different podcast, but. Um, Fix your credit and then buy a nicer car. But yeah, you're not going to do yourself any favors by buying from one of those shyster car lots nowadays mm-hmm. because they just turn cars over so fast and you miss half a payment one time and your car's gone and you know they sell it to the next guy at 19% interest. So just stay far away from those. Unless they have a super cheap car in the lot that you can buy cash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never finance through one of those guys. All right, next Facebook question. Joe Davis, if you could choose any form of motorsport to have a dedicated vehicle for... Which would it be, and what vehicle would you choose? We may, have, we may have answered this before. We'll do it again. I don't know if we have. Uh, it seems familiar, but mm. I mean, the obvious answer is rally. Yeah, that's obvious. But that is that comes from our background, obviously, and it also comes from both of us like to have the option to drive our cars on the street. Mm. And I, I have that thought. I think you do too. Where it's I'm spending this much money on something, I want to be able to get in it and go to the grocery store. Yeah, I don't want to also have to be, have a dedicated tow vehicle and a dedicated trailer and all the other things that go around around it. You do if you're going to races, but I I know what you're saying. I don't know. We had our previous guest who drove his rally car from here to Canada, rallied it, and drove that's it back. True. So I think that's kind of the way I would want to do it. Where you live now, you could have a desert racing vehicle. Yeah, for sure. Um, that would be pretty cool. You for sure, have, you could have a pre runner or a, a Baja Beetle, Baja Colt. Yeah. I mean, I have um, that rusty Colt in the yard, and I was thinking the other day, just put like a four-point roll bar on the back and lift it a little bit with some tires and just go beat on it in the wood in the, in the desert. Yeah, they, I mean, I guess, I I guess a desert a desert vehicle would be an option for you. Yep, for sure. Um, I can just really turn off the highway in some places and just go bomb down some dirt paths. So, I would, I, you know, it'd be it'd be pretty cool to have like a dedicated track car and then like the time to go to all these different tracks but again i'd still want to keep it street legal i think yeah i just i just have that thing where i I, i'm spending the kind of money i want to be able to do whatever i want with it i want to be like oh i'm gonna take the race car to cars and coffee tomorrow like i just i don't know it's it's hard for me maybe because i've never had like a ton of extra money yeah a a rally car makes the most sense because they are street legal so you can go do stuff with it and then you can go to a car show with it like uh a a spec Miata is not street legal. It probably could be. You're right, it could be. But yeah. it's unlikely. So, yeah, I guess. Maybe if I was, came from a different financial background where, like, money was never an issue, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, I'll have a dedicated vintage race car. 
Yeah, so the, I just have a problem with it. the default would be rally car. Vintage rally car. There you go. Yeah, I again, if anybody does ever know of a old competition-used um, Colt or actually any old Japanese car, but specifically a Colt, really, I, I would actually be interested in buying one of those at some point. Mm-hmm. I know of a couple that are in the community, but nothing for sale. All right, cool. Let's see. I think we have Instagram questions as That's well. That's it. Um all right. Instagram. We'll go through the order that I've got them in here. Uh, the period gearhead period project. A lot of us got our starts with mods. Go bigger home, right? Why do you think so many of us are shifting more towards stock these days? See also experiences over mods. I mean, that's the answer. Uh, yeah, I think everybody uh, can have at least one wild build or engine swap or something. Mm-hmm. Um, most people can probably only stomach once doing it because it's probably expectations versus reality. You're like, this is going to be awesome. And then like two years into it, you're like, this blows. I just can't wait for this to be finished. I want to drive my car. Yeah. I've spent so much money, so much time. And then sometimes it has a lot of teething issues and it's not great right out of the box. So I think another factor in this is newer cars are that much better than they used to be. Exactly. So you can go down and plop down a big down payment on my least favorite brand new Dodge Charger or Challenger or whatever, and you have a 12-second car out of the box. Right. So you don't need to build this crazy build to get to a 12-second car. You know, everybody used to start with, you know, 14, 15-second quarter-mile cars or cars that pulled 0.74 Gs, and but now a brand new car out of the box will annihilate any old car out of the box. Right, so, um, but even if you're buying an old project car... But now buying an old project car it's isn't old. about making a race car. It's about getting back the experience from when you were younger. Like, like oh, when I was in high school, I really wanted a Rabbit GTI, but I couldn't quite swing one with the other car that I had. I'd like to buy one now, and you're going to go out and find the nicest stock example you can, mm-hmm. and then you're just going to drive it and enjoy it. You're not looking to build a hot rod out of it anymore. Right, but that probably comes from age, too. I don't know if, as a young person, you'd be into more doing stuff. Um, but I definitely like the idea of uh, just doing stuff to a car. Well, it's like what I'm doing with the Eclipse that I have. Like, yeah. I'm doing tires and suspension, minor stuff to make the car a little more enjoyable and to replace worn-out parts. Yeah. And just enjoying it. Yeah. Like, I'm going to modify the suspension, but not because I have this, like, desire to build a race car. But because the parts are worn out anyway, and there's better componentry available now. Yeah. So I might as well just upgrade it when I'm doing it. But I'm not looking to take the whole car apart and make a big turbo monster out of it. Exactly. Or it's so. a little easier to do, like, the detail work to stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, but again, I also, still in the back of my brain, have all these crazy build plans for everything in the world. But Oh, I, I, I still want to undertake, I still haven't done... I helped with the engine swap and the Golf, and I'd like to do an engine swap yep. on a vehicle. That, that, was a, that was a simple engine swap comparatively to some. Like I say simple. It wasn't simple, but it was like you're going from a 1.8-liter four-cylinder to a 2-liter four-cylinder. The architecture was the similar. The architecture's the same. You're not going from a you know, four-cylinder rear-wheel drive car and swapping into like an LS swap or a Volvo with a five-cylinder turbo or something like that. You're not building a hot rod out of it. Yeah, that's what I'd like to do is a five-cylinder into an older Volvo. Yeah. Because um, that would be super fun. Yeah, that's your build, and I really want to do a 4G63 in the Blue Colt. Yeah. 
So th yeah, those are things. But again, when we go to do those, I would still actually keep the engines pretty darn close to stock. Yeah, and You're not doubling do, the horsepower without taking the engine apart. Yeah, and not do giant crazy turbos. Literally, yep. just try to do it as if the vehicle was swapped OEM this way. Right. Where you get out of control is when you start doing all the different uh, speed parts, and right. it's like gets kind of crazy. You could do them later if you want, but like, well, that's my thought with the Colt. Is the Colt is under a hundred horsepower, but it weighs nineteen hundred pounds or so. The four G six three goes in there. Factory stock, those are like 150 horse ish. Yeah. So I'm already almost doubling the horsepower. Mm -hmm. And then if you did a freer flowing exhaust and you did an, um, just a dyno tune on the yeah. car with like an ECM link and a set of cams or something, you could make that thing make 180 horsepower without even thinking about it. And it would still be a nice, reliable daily car with two and a half times the horsepower of the original. You don't need to go crazy. I'm not saying you shouldn't build a hot rod car with all the crazy parts. That's totally up to you. But what you get away is whether you want to uh, be able to have fun with it pretty quickly or... Building experience versus driving experience. Yeah. And also, if you have the means, I think it makes sense to have an interesting... Like, you have your daily driver and you have your project car. Right. But if you're a, like a genuine real car guy that likes to drive and build and everything, you should probably have a second like weekend car. That's done, and you just use it. Right. Because it's really nice right now. I can go to Cars and Coffee tomorrow. I can take my Colt, even though I have, like, my Galantis part or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because then it's like, then you get project fatigue, and you're like, oh, I want to buy this other thing. Yeah. Because it's pretty close to being done, and then stuff just spirals out of control. And then you wind up in my position with yeah. way too many cars. Um, and that's the other thing. Yeah. You got to stick with one at a time. Yeah. But this is all stuff. Where were we, you with this podcast before I started buying all these crap cans? Hey. Telling me what to do. You never stopped me once. <laughs> You're always like, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's go pick it up. I don't think you ever listened anyways. Probably not. All right. Um, I skipped to a, a shorter question, and then we'll do the other ones. Uh, throttle by cable. Probably already answered. Um, probably already answered this, but if not cars, then what? I, honestly, I have no idea. You have no idea? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really... Like where you're born to photography, I yeah I was I was thinking about this I was like it would probably be photography well know. strictly photography because that's a pretty big hobby in itself it's probably my second it's definitely my second yeah. favorite hobby I mean before I mean I've always been into cars obviously since birth um, but like before I got my license I was big into riding bikes yeah I used to do a lot of miles on a bicycle so maybe I'd be more into riding bikes which I'm getting back into now anyway so probably maybe that would have been biker yeah maybe that would be something I did more maybe probably been good for me because I'd be healthier. Um, I mean, are motorcycles a default for not cars, or is that kind of the same category? That's eh, the, there's some people that are only into motorcycles. Yeah, I mean, I'd probably. Yeah, I really, I really don't have a good answer for it. Like, I'm not a sports guy. I can't be a sports guy, and like, I I get sports. I understand sports. I know the rules of the game. I can watch a football game and know what's going on. So bikes. Yeah, bikes and maybe motorcycles if it counts, and I'd probably still be casually into photography or at least taking pictures and never sharing them like I do. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, that's, that's, that's a tough question. Be. Cause I often have that same question in like my daily life where I'll meet somebody who's not into cars. And I'm like, what does this person do for fun? <laughs> and then the answer is probably whatever they want. Cause they aren't tied down to these cars. That's but true. I just, I don't like, I'd probably be into exploring like vacationing. Cause I'd like to see things now. I'd probably do a lot more like, mountaineering and hiking and more healthy things because I enjoy 
the thoughts and ideas of that stuff, but I'm fat and lazy because I'm a car guy. Yeah. So I don't do that stuff. All right. We're getting chastised for this one. A huge, huge drop. Yes. I'm told that's how it, it rhymes. Rhymes with, rhymes with huge. Yeah. Few huge drop. Huge. Huge. Huge drop. Uh, huge. If you've got, if you got given a 240Z with a small block Chevy 327 already swapped in, but didn't want an iron block carburetors unless it's a Datsun inline six SU carbs, what would you do? Asking for a friend. And he says also we need to have a auto off topic Arizona meetup, which we'll have. Yeah, actually, I was thinking about the other day. Yeah, we can plan that out. That's off the air. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you got a 240Z that. So he was given a 240Z that has a 327 carburetor motor in it. Yeah, which, which is probably I, done in the 80s or 70s or something. I think it's rad. Like, it's, it's, cool a, it's an era-appropriate build. Um, it, it might not be efficient. It might not be much more faster than honestly, the car was. what I do now, um, throw one of those Holly EFI kits. EFI kits on it yeah. and just make it run better that way. I mean, the 327 is a cool little motor. Um, they rev pretty quickly for an old iron block V8. Yeah. You know, o- old small block Corvettes from the 60s are like neat little fun revving cars and that's kind of what you have there uh, but i think with maybe modify I, I would definitely keep the engine in there because it's there it's not like you're cutting up this car to put a v8 in it somebody already did yeah i'd get rid of the car throw throw a holly kit on there so i'm assuming the car is a manual transmission if it's not so. get rid of whatever junk they put behind it, it manual. and put at least an old muncie four speed or a, a five speed or whatever mm-hmm. behind it with a nice pretty lightweight flywheel and maybe just change the cam to make it a little more higher end power. You can put better heads on it. Yeah, better heads and cam and, and, and the Holly EFI setup with a nice light flywheel. And then it. make like an exhaust that looks like a stock exhaust come out of it. Yeah, and isn't super loud, but has a nice little, I don't know. I, I, I think of, I grew up with my father. I had a, had a 63 Corvette. Um, that was a 63 Corvette convertible and I had a 327 with a four speed. And I just remember the way that car just sounded and the way it drove and how he shifted it and how it was just like, to me, that car as my youth-defined sports car. And I think if I had that experience in a Datsun shell, I'd be pretty cool with that. I mean, the obvious answer is LS swap it. That's the obvious answer, right? Yeah, because the, the, the uh, mounts should line up. Pretty much. The, gen- the basic general area. I mean, you know, that's, you know it'll fit. that's a lot more cost. So I just do that's the, what I'm saying. That that's just the that's the obvious answer. That's the answer. That might be the answer he's looking for. He might be looking for um, just rec- not recognition, but like affirmation, affirmation that his idea is correct. Affirmation versus uh, um, information. Yeah, exactly. But um, I honestly wouldn't do that if the 327 runs. I mean, it's a tried and true engine. They make tons of speed parts for it. You don't need a ton of power in a Datsun because the car only weighs 2,300 pounds. I hope the car's orange. I think it's like a primer brown. Okay. I don't know what the original color was. I'd have to look. But, no, I'm down with that. And uh, being as that I'm local, I'd love to go over and help play with that thing. Cool. All right. Um, what else we got? Yeah, it's kind of a burgundy. Bike ramp, bike paint repeat asked about the picture. Is that a 164? And yes, it is. It's a picture from Volvo. the Rhode Island Mini Melee. That's kind of a, a funky looking car, the 164. It's very stodgy. Yeah. That's a good word for it. Um, I, bl- I, mean, I like it. Yeah. It's cool because it's stodgy, but it can be made to like, handle. Why don't you read Yeti Overland's question? Because that one's for you. Yeah. I don't know if you got it pulled up. I got it right oh, here. Oh, yeah. No, I got it right here. Latest recording method sounds great. Thank you. Well, EFI TDI 2 rotor, <laughs> <laughs> which obviously is a take on my TSI SS350. I kind of like it. Show me his German side when he drives it back to Arizona. 
I mean, if he's talking about the German eclipse, yeah. then yes. If he's talking about the obvious German jokes in German side, which I'm not going to get into, then no. Um, also, ditch hookers and race and hangers should overlay it out sometime. I know Jordan will go back to Colorado anytime. Yeah, for sure. The hat. You should too, because it's amazing. Yeah, uh, Jordan actually talked about that, about him going out there, and I would just drive up and meet him there, because it's like you know a day's drive. Yeah, we can work on that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's all the questions so, we had, right? So, yes, that would be... Um, you sure you can definitely hang out and take a look at the eclipse at some point, but and we apologize greatly to Fuge Rob, Fuge Rob, Fuge Rob for getting his name wrong for Fuge so huge, for getting his name wrong for Fuge. so long. But Fuge Rob, it's uh, it is apparently Fuge. So his name is Rob Fuge. So we were butchering his last name by saying his screen name wrong. So <laughs> I think if I meet you, when I meet you in person, Rob, I'm gonna shake your hand and say, "Nice to meet you, Mister Fuge." <laughs> but. Fuji-san. <laughs> we, we, we will try to get that right from now on, I, I promise. But yeah, that is all the questions for today. Cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anything else? No. No, we can't even promote Cars and Coffee because by the time this goes live, it'll already happened. Yeah. Just the next one. I don't know when that is. I can see if I can look it up real, real fast. Should I just hum the whole time to keep people uh No, I'm, I'm pulling it up here. Um, do, 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 Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee. The uh, upcoming events are Sunday, September 15th, 9 a.m. Excellent. Same place, same channel. They can go visit you there because I will not be there. Uh, actually, I will not be there as well for other reasons. Um, when is the date? The 15th. Of October? Of September. Oh, yeah, September. Um, but, yeah, so it's still going on, and uh, check it out. Anything else? As always, you can follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcasts, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. It seems like uh, Facebook changed their algorithms again because stuff's getting buried. Oh, well, uh, it is what it is. Um, You can follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger, and EFI, TDI, Two Rotor, TSI. It's actually TSI SS350. Okay. You can follow Brad on Instagram. As always... Keep cars analog and aim for the roses.